Now we had uh, two Bible readings earlier. One from the book of Isaiah speaking about the light that would come into the darkness. And then in John chapter 1 we were reading about the light of the world coming and uh, shining into our darkness. But I wonder if you recall in John chapter 1, in the last part of that reading, it says, verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Although the world was made by him, the world did not know him. He came to his own, and they didn't receive him. Have you wondered why we resist the light of love. What is there in us that makes it so difficult to grasp, to comprehend, and even receive the light of God? I know it's very easy for us to say, God loves us, and we love God. I love coffee, I love mince pies, all in the same breath. It is true that we can say and, and believe it, God loves us. And we can also say, and it's true, we love God. It's true, but how deep does this go? I want to share an experience with you that I had very recently when I was visiting Kenya and spending some time in prayer, meditation, seeking God, as well as the other things that I was doing there, it came home to me how even at this stage in my Christian life, I'm celebrating my 43rd birthday today. That's 43 years in Christ. December the 24th, 1997, when I first really realized, you could say, the light dawned, the penny dropped, that... God came into my life. Are you? 1971. Christmas 1971. Are you checking my maths? Or are you just astonished how it could possibly be that I came to Christ at 18 years of age? Well, you know, we've been seeking to go deeper in God as a church. And I, I hope and I know, really, that you're on this journey with me. We are tired of the superficiality that is passed off as Christianity today. And I don't want to sound critical, I just want to go deeper. And in answer to that prayer, something extraordinary happened to me. There I was, seeking God, opening to my devotional book, and I read these words, God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. 
Now, you would not expect, I didn't expect the reaction that came deep from within me. Because I can't ever remember, certainly as a believer, being resistant to the love of God. I can't ever remember recoiling from the notion, the reality, that God wants a deep relationship with me. In fact, as far as I know, all my Christian life, has been in pursuit of that deep relationship with him. And, and yet, at that time, in that moment, I had an extraordinary reaction. Deep within me, there was this resistance. God wants a relationship with me. and I, I wanted to pull back from it. I resisted. I closed up. And I realized that after all these years, there are still areas within me that resist God, that need to open up to Him and and need to respond at a deeper level than ever before. And that kind of strange experience stayed with me for around 24 hours until a resolution came in my own spirit when the Holy Spirit asked me a question. It came as a a deep impression, a question in my own spirit. When does the light of love shine the brightest? God asked me a question. Now, in one of the lines from our most famous Christmas carols, we have this line, love came down at Christmas. Well, if love, true genuine love came down at Christmas, then why are so many people not responding to it or living in it? Why is there still so much hate in the world? Why is there still within us some resistance to this notion we can accept it with our minds, but how many of us are really living in the depths of his love? I'm not talking about the cheap artificial versions, superficial love. I'm talking about the depth of love that will keep you in perfect peace in all circumstances and so work within you that that love begins to be shaped within you and the love of God which is poured out into our hearts becomes the way in which we actually live our lives directed by that same spirit. Why do we still know and experience so little of the vast ocean of God's love? God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. Now, why, 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 do you, why do you think I was so resistant to the idea of somebody loving me with unconditional love? For me, love can be something intrusive, something demanding. And that's possibly true of many of us because we have so little earthly experience on this earth of unconditional love. When somebody says, I love you, it can mean I want something from you. When somebody says, I love you, it means, sometimes it means, I need you to make me happy. And we sense behind that love, that seeming unconditional love, we sense some pressure We sense something that's demanding. 
Now, why is it that we see love as demanding something from us? If love is unconditional, then surely it cannot be demanding, can it? But someone who says they love us and want a relationship with us, immediately that kind of places a demand on us to respond and to love them back. Even unconditional love demands that I open up and let it in. And that requires trust, which is costly. They may not pressure me or pursue me, but I will still feel obliged and pressurized to make a decision. I may be unwilling or incapable of loving them back. And what will be the consequences if I reject their love? Will I hurt them, offend them, and all this puts more pressure on me. Now when I think about God loving me and wanting a relationship with me, why do I not always, immediately and joyfully, as well as genuinely open up to this love and let him be intimate with me? There's a very beautiful, and I don't wish to criticize this hymn in any way at all. It is been so precious to me down through the years when I survey the wondrous cross. Remember that hymn by Isaac Watts? He wrote it in 1707. Now it's more than 43 years ago. And there's a line that goes like this. Love so amazing, so divine, demands. There it is, right there. Demands my soul, my life, my all. Does love demand? Does God's love demand? If it doesn't demand, how can it make any difference to me? But if it does demand, how, how can it be unconditional? And how can I respond without pressure to fulfill His demands? Now, the pressure increases when we realize who is speaking and who is loving us. Authority demands respect, obedience. Otherwise, the consequences are usually bad. If you get stopped by the police for whatever reason, maybe there's something to do with the red light or some other minor offense or maybe not so minor offense, you know you better show the policeman respect. And uh, usually it's about putting on a big smile and say, oh, office, officer, oh, really, officer. You step out of that car with attitude and you're going to get attitude back. Authority demands respect and obedience and, and authority meets out punishment when demands are not met. And when we think about God being the absolute authority, the absolute ruler, to rebel against this authority surely is going to bring the most terrible consequences. God is the only one who has the right, the absolute right to demand, to command total respect and obedience. 
Doesn't this describe a person who's surrendered to God? Where does God's love fit into all of that? Perhaps the way to approach the question is to, is to begin by asking ourselves, as the Holy Spirit asked me just a few months ago, when does light shine most brightly? When does love mean the most to us? When we think about the lordship and the majesty, the holiness of God, God is light. And in Him there is no darkness. And yet we know there is in our natural fallen human state a great deal of darkness in us. Even through the religious people, Jesus said, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? God is love, which means that He is never unloving. And in Him there is nothing unloving. And yet you and I know that our favorite topic is ourselves. The person we most think about is ourselves. It's the very opposite of the kind of love we're talking about. So God in His being, His holiness and His authority carries the right to demand absolute and unquestioning obedience. How do we approach such a one? Because it also means that He has absolute right and absolute necessity to expel all sinful, disobedient people and to destroy them by separating Him from His life forever. And if we don't believe that, then we're not talking about the God of the Bible. We have all sinned and deserve nothing from God but this kind of judgment. But we're not talking about that tonight. We're talking about the light who entered the world. And I like to think of that star, or what appeared to be a star to those wise men who traveled right across virtually the, the then known world, following a star, a star that was brighter than any other of the bright stars shining out of the darkness of that ancient Middle Eastern night sky. The star signaling a royal birth, signaling a light that had dawned into the realm of humanity, a light revealing the nature and character of God, not just from a distance like a glowing star, but the, the star rested above the manger in Bethlehem where the baby Jesus lay. The light had come into the world. But it is against this background of darkness by which we begin to appreciate the light. So the obvious answer, when does light shine the brightest? When it is most dark. When do we appreciate love? Most of all is when we are in desperate, broken, rejected need of it. 
And sometimes we talk about the light too quickly. We should begin to talk about the darkness which makes the light all the more welcome. I don't know if you've been visiting any jewelry stores, but if you step inside a jewelry store and they see the twinkle in your eye and they know that you're going to pop the question pretty soon or, or they look at you, your silver gray hair, and say, it must be some very important anniversary coming up, uh, the, the, the first thing they bring out is not the jewels, not the pearls, the first thing I bring out and lay on the counter is beautiful, soft, dark velvet. So that when they put the jewels on that dark background, they shine most brightly. It's a sales technique. But in the same way as the dark velvet brings out the brilliance of the diamond, so the light of God shines greatest in our hearts and understanding when we know the dark background which made the coming of the light both necessary and amazingly welcome. When I appreciate the background of the darkness of my own life, suddenly now I'm not debating about conditional, unconditional. I welcome God's light. I welcome God's love. And I'm absolutely amazed that He wants to rescue me from this darkness and all the more amazed that He wants to have an intimate relationship with me in the light. Suppose you're walking down the street, surrounded by friends, carrying Christmas presents, peeking into somebody else's shopping basket to see what they bought you for Christmas and then wondering, hoping maybe that they've got a, a kind of receipt in there so you can go back and change it. But all that's going on. You're very happy. And then somebody comes out of the, out of the crowd and says, I love you. I want to have a relationship with you. You would run a million miles. But suppose you'd spent the last 25 years in prison and you were buried in the deepest part of the dungeon and all around you was darkness and there was not a sound, no hope of escaping, giving up all hope and you hear a noise and somebody comes with a lighted candle and you say, who is this person? And they unlock the prison door and say, I love you. I've come to set you free. I want a relationship with you. You wouldn't mind who was talking. You would follow that light. In the same way, when we begin to appreciate the fact of our darkened condition, the light shining into this dark place, then we begin to say, it's a welcome light. Then we can begin to understand that this is the light of His love that He has come to our prison. He has come to our darkness. He has come to our loneliness. He has come to our rejection. He has come to our sinfulness. And everything else that, is, that roots our separation from God, and we can begin to appreciate the fact that the gospel is the story of the light of the world who has come to rescue us. When I begin to think like that, I welcome God's love. I don't resist it. I begin to rest in the fact that Jesus has taken away my sin and that He's working from within me to prepare me for this relationship. And so often we begin 
to preach the gospel by saying Jesus is the answer. And a lot of people say, well, what's the question? And until we understand our desperate need of God, until we understand how desperately lost and in darkness we are without the light, we will never welcome it. And we begin to realize that not only has He brought us into the light, but He's put the light into us. Meaning that the Holy Spirit is shining into the dark corners of our own inner life and illuminating it gradually. The process is a lifetime. Well, I, I can testify to that 43 years. And He's still finding dark corners of my inner life in which he's saying, there is a resistance to me here, Colin. There is a stubbornness there, Colin. There's a rebellion there, Colin. Let me come and shine my light into your darkness and set you free. To this very day, until the day I die, the Holy Spirit is working in me, working within my new nature, transforming me, in the light of His love, to live in the light of that love and to enter into deeper and deeper relationship with this pure light of His love. That kind of light is so reassuring, it's so disarming, that it causes us to lay down any barrier or to overcome any fear within me so that you and me together can be perfected in this love. He hasn't come just to take you into the light. He's come to perfect you in His light. And I know that because this light has begun to shine, one day, when Colin Dye dies, one day, I will be totally transformed in Christ's presence to live forever in the light of His love, perfected in His beauty, perfected in His glory, perfected in His grace. That's the Christmas story. God in His love has paid the price. And His love even now is gently, not forcefully, but gently, knocking on the door of your life. just as that copy of the Holman Hunt picture, the light of the world which is in St. Paul's Cathedral, in which Jesus is portrayed as the light or the light bearer, knocking on the door of your heart. The handle is on the inside. You have to open up. And I, I don't think that's just a one-off thing. Today you open up to His light and tomorrow you're instantly transformed. No, every single day we open up more and more and more. When He came, there was no room for Him in the inn. Is there room for Him in your life tonight? And you say, yes, I've already invited him in. Okay, we'll make more room for him. What's the door of your inner personality that you've closed tight? Has it come through somebody who's hurt you? You trusted them, 
and they abused your trust? Have you been hurt by the so-called religious people? Have you been hurt by your family? Have you been rejected by those who should have affirmed you? Are you disillusioned with yourself? Have you given up on yourself of ever experiencing even a smidgen of what Jesus spoke about when He said, I have come to give you life. Life in all its fullness. Have you given up ever trying to understand what it means when Paul said, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. This Christmas is for you. An opportunity to say, God, I am not going to close any door. I'll open up even the painful areas of my life. And I'll say, God, I trust you. Shine in your healing light like a laser beam of therapy, healing what's on the inside, opening me up to more and more of you. Oh yes, God in His love has paid the price and He is gently, not forcefully, He's not going to bash the door down, but He is knocking on the door of your life and you feel His call within you. He's always patiently, always helpfully encouraging you to go deeper with Him. Now in my lifetime, my relationships have always, or at least nearly always, been about what people wanted from me or demanded from me. And I've not always, they've not always been perceived by me as people loving me for me. even in the ministry, as we are here exercising and dispensing under the Spirit's anointing with careful discipline and openness of spirit, spiritual gifts. One wonders sometimes if one is accepted more for one's gift than for who one is. Loving me for me. But the hand that is knocking on the door of your life loves you for you. And He loves you so much for you, the real you, because it is He who made you to be the you that is you. And for my part, often my own quest for love has frequently, perhaps persistently, been driven by more by a desire to get than to give. To use rather than to serve. And that is that darkened, selfish, self-centered nature that the light of God's love comes to deal with. And more importantly than any of these things, we have to realize tonight that there is absolutely no human example of love that can compare in any way to God's love for us. 
The love that we have known, even the best of human love, has always been imperfect, mixed in motivation, and sometimes not always with very positive consequences. Even the best of love falls short of the love that God revealed in Christ. So much so that we cannot define love apart from God. We cannot understand love or experience what love really is apart from God and the love he demonstrates to us. So how, how do we know it? Esther, in an offering talk, referred to John's Gospel 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave. His only son, that is the gift of love. Love came down at Christmas, packaged and delivered, gift-wrapped in a person called Jesus the Christ. In a similar vein, John in his first epistle, 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 11 says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent His one and only Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The one who would deal with our sins. The one who would remove our sins. The one who would satisfy God's judgment concerning our sins. When Jesus died on the cross, He took our place. He took our judgment. Verse 11 Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. This is the love that comes to us when we are in total darkness, total hopelessness, with no way out. Like being in a dungeon, as I said, all our life, with no hope of escape, no wonder Wesley, in his great hymn, And Can It Be, has this verse. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound by sin and nature's night. Thine eyes diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. What a great hymn that is. It reminds us, light shines the brightest when it is most dark. That's why Jesus came to rescue us from that worst kind of prison. Remember, the gospel is not just come to Jesus if you're feeling down. Come to Jesus if you've got problems, and he'll lift you up and take your problems away. In fact, that is not even the gospel at all. The gospel comes to those who are sitting in a prison of darkness, lost in sin, separated from God, without God, without hope, living in that 
hopeless condition until we see the light approaching and hear the prison doors opening and receive the invitation. Rise, come and follow me. Be rescued from the dungeon of sin and oppression. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the savior of the world. And so 24 hours later, when I began to think about why, when is light and love the brightest, it reminded me of the purpose of his rescue mission. Jesus did not just come that we would have one more good thing in our life. Jesus came to give us life itself. And the life of God's Spirit that He's drawing from us at this season, as we move forward into all that awaits us in future days and weeks, is the light that calls us to go deeper and deeper than ever before. Tonight I have two appeals. The first appeal is for those who have never opened their heart to the light of God. You've never understood that you're in a prison and it's dark and, and it's to do with your sinfulness. It's to do with the hopelessness of a life lived without God. And you hear the invitation, I've come, the light of the world, to lighten your darkness and to bring you the light of my love and my glory, follow me. You've never heard that, and if you've heard it, you've never responded. Tonight is your, is your night. I'm passionate about this tonight because 24th of December, 1971, I found Christ. I'm passionate about this also because over all of those years, that light has grown brighter and brighter, and by God's grace, it has begun to penetrate deeper and deeper into this bit of earth called Colendai. And it's that light that shapes and forms. My first appeal is for those who say, I, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I'm not going to wait another moment. I need Jesus tonight. I need Jesus. I want him to shine into my heart because my heart is in darkness. I'm living in confusion. It's not just a psychological confusion. It's not just an identity crisis. It's not just a circumstantial problem. It's because I know that I'm a sinner and I'm walking in darkness and I need to see a great light. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you in a moment. The second appeal is this. And this will be relevant for every single one of us here tonight. If we say, God, I'm singing about your love, I'm singing about your light, but I want more of it in my heart. To say, God, I know there is a door deep on the inside of me which up until now has been closed to you. I want to open it and I want to let your resurrection life, as well as your Christmas story life. I want that to touch me in a deeper way. Because after a while, you get very bored with just singing superficially that I love Jesus. 
I love Jesus, Jesus loves me, we love each other, so, you know. After a while you think, this is a jingle. This is a jingle. No matter how joyfully we sing the jingle. Jingle bells, jingle, jingle, jingle all the way. We're thinking, but there's something deeper that's missing from my life. Open the door and let those bells jingle deeper than ever before. If you're sitting in darkness tonight, come to the light. Remember, it's never, ever dependent on us having loved God. That's the unconditional nature. He loved us and sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to lead in a prayer, first of all, for those people who are saying tonight, you know, Colin, tonight is the night. I know I've I got to give my life to Jesus. Yes, tonight is the night. I want to receive the greatest gift of all, the greatest Christmas present of all time and eternity. I want to receive Christ. I want to open the door of my life and let Him come in. I want Him to shine the light of His love and forgiveness into the deepest part of me. And you're not going to resist any longer. You're going to say, He came unto His own and His own received Him. Because the Bible says, as many as received Him, to them He gave the power, the right, the privilege to become children of God. So I want to become a child of God tonight. That's my first prayer. Here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to ask you all to join with me. What I'm going to do is pray some words, and I want you to repeat these words. It'll be exactly as I've just described. But to stand with all who are praying it for the first time, let's all pray it together. Everybody loud and clear. Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you tonight and I ask you to shine your light into my darkness because I open my heart to receive you for who you are, the one who loves me, the one who died for me, and the one who lives forever to bring me to heaven. I open my heart. I ask you to come in. Cleanse me from my sin. Forgive me for everything. And make me a new creation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Before I move on to my second prayer, I want to make sure that every single one of you receives something from us tonight. It's a gift that we want to give to you if you're making this prayer and this decision for the first time tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many people tonight prayed that prayer for the first time? I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. Let us see it. Somebody will come and stand with you, and you can put your hand down again. Are we ready? Okay. If you prayed that prayer tonight and you're saying, I want Jesus in my life, let's see your hand. Lift your hand right where you are. Right where you are. Is everybody in here tonight saved? Because salvation is in this house. If you need him, I'll ask once more before I move on. If you need him, lift your hand right where you are. Wave, it's a little bit dark upstairs. 
Thank you. Thank you. God bless you down here. Thank you. There's somebody upstairs as well. Is there anybody else before I pray? Thank you. God bless you at the back there. Father, I ask in Jesus' name for these people tonight who have in some way responded to this message saying they want Christ in their life. I pray you make it real. Would you shine the light of your love and power in such a way into their hearts that they will know that today is the first day of the rest of their lives. Shine your love, your light of love and forgiveness and grace. And let your name be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And now my second prayer is for all who say, you know what? That's right. If you, Colin, after 43 years, can talk about needing to receive Christ's love in a deeper way, I too can say that. I, I need to know, not just with my mind, and not just with my present level of experience, but, but with, in deeper ways which I've not yet experienced, to know the light of his love, touching deeper areas in me than ever before. Because I'm saying, Jesus, take the lot. I open up to you. I run the risk. I say, yes, I trust you. Come into those deeper areas right now and shine your light. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are. I'm going to pray for you right now. All over this place, if that's you, lift your hands. Father, I pray for every person tonight who's saying, I want a deeper relationship with you because I want your light to shine into some dark areas, some hurtful areas, some secretive areas, some areas which I'm not even aware of. Help me shine your light into them, I pray, so that we leave this place with a deeper richer experience of God's love, that it won't just be words that we say, but it will be daily an increasingly precious and deep experience of your love. Let your light shine. Send forth your light and your truth and lead us to your sanctuary. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 